0: out there, are you ready, well you better buckle up because it's time for the show ladies and gentlemen, straight out of your sister's bedroom, it's your girlfriend's favorite podcast, without further ado, it's the Ring Schools Podcast, with your host Wade Needham, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Ringscoops podcast right here on Ringscoops.com. Webmaster Wade here with you each and every week, and we have got a very, very special guest on this episode. It has been eight years since this man has been invited to a Ringscoops production. The very last time that he appeared, all hell broke loose, all the way from the Empire to the Wild West. He's no stranger to controversy, and let's be honest... This man is one of the most overlooked talents in Southern California's wrestling scene in the last 10 to 15 years, in my opinion. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the king of the streets, Mr. Mondo Vega. Mondo, how you doing?
1: I'm boring, Wade. I'm very boring.
0: Very boring?
1: I'm a boring man these days.
0: Ah, you've never been boring to me, bro.
1: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take that compliment, but yeah, sitting from this side of the spectrum, yeah, I'm very boring right now, like... All I've done today, I took my car in to get a flat tire fixed. That's my day so far. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, boring.
0: Well, you know what? It's all good to get rested up, though, you know?
1: For what? I don't know. I agree with you. I, 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 I've been resting, preparing, I don't know for what. But, yeah, getting a lot of rest. And I was just thinking about it just before we touched base here. I'm like, I don't know how I did it back in the day. Like, I was really burning the candle at both ends between life and wrestling and even hockey. Like, you know, I'm a ticket holder for the LA Kings, and I go to pretty much every game. I don't know how I did it. I really don't. I don't know where I had the time and energy, because I can barely do anything now.
0: Well, it's, you know, things do to get a little difficult as we get older. So, there's that. You know, we're not spring, spring chickens anymore, you know?
1: That is true. Like... I get told all the time I, it looks like I haven't aged a bit, but internally, yeah, I'm falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> like, like all the old injuries are still lingering and more new ones are catching up with me. It's, it's funny. Like I was told from the very get go being involved in wrestling business, that the joints are the first thing to go. And that has been the case. Like pretty much every cliche in wrestling holds true. It really, really does. I, was texting someone on the Twitter the other day and they asked, how many real friends do you have in the wrestling business? And I responded with something that was told to me by someone who is not a friend of ours, whom I'm sure we'll bring up uh, black metal. Jake Alexander said you only you'll, you can count the number of real friends in your in the wrestling business on one hand. Yeah. And that statement has held incredibly accurate. After all this time, I first got involved. I first set foot in wrestling school in 2003.
0: Wow.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize that.
0: That's um, 20 years this year.
1: Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. That's that new math, huh?
0: Uh, the common core.
1: Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> first time I set foot in the door and. Yeah, like true, genuine friends that I see or contact with on a regular basis. Yeah. Handful.
0: Wow. Yeah. uh, Recently in a lot of the interviews that I've done with uh, some of the guys like Tommy Wilson and and RJ and whatnot, you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, the camaraderie and the friendship and stuff. And and that's that's a phrase that I've often used during the interviews and and discussions as well as, you know, that I can honestly count on one hand how many people that I would consider from the business that are like good, close personal friends.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm friendly with most of the boys, pretty much everyone. Um, Obviously social media has, I guess in a way helped, you know, you can drop a line to someone, you know, throw a joke, someone's way Um, like someone like Andy Brown, who I haven't seen in probably four years or so, who relocated to the East coast, you know, I'll, End up on Twitter or send a funny, you know, message on Facebook or something like that. Um, So, yeah, still friendly with pretty much everyone I've come across. Every now and again, if I see something that reminds me of someone, I'll, you know, drop a line or a tweet or whatever. But as far as, you know, seeing someone, going out and doing something with them, you know, knowing intricate parts of each other's lives. Yeah. Handful, if that. Yeah. And yeah, it's really staggering how true that statement has held all this time. But it's true. Again, all the cliches in wrestling are cliches for a reason. Absolutely. For better or worse.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Andy Brown relocated to the East Coast. I, I was not aware of that. It's been a while since I've kind of like paid like real close attention to like the scene out here. Like I keep tabs on certain things. But I mean, good for Andy for branching out because I've been a fan of his since day one. The day that he walked into school, Hard Knocks, I looked at that dude and I said, "Man, this guy, this guy's got something," you know. And same, same. yeah,
1: no, he's wait, wait, he, oh, sorry. Um, to him and Richie Slade, those two, I remember when they started. They started roughly at the same time.
0: Yeah, same think, night.
1: Yeah, I watched watching them train, watched them you know progress. I'm like, you know what? Those are two guys you could build the company around. Absolutely. Like, had things, had booking been different, there's your top heel, your top baby. You could work that forever. But, you know, but they're both still prospering very well. Andy left because Andy, I last saw him March 2020, like a week before the world shut down. And he was the first, and at that time, only Ground Zero champion. And, of course, shows stopped. And he must have left, I want to say later that year, because he had to drop the title. But they did it at, like, one of the uh, Ground Zero school shows. Because Ground Zero hasn't run since March 2020. I know that because I was the lead commentator for Ground Zero from the get-go and they haven't run a show since andy left and had to drop the title and i want to say he's pennsylvania i'm not sure but yeah he's definitely not california anymore so
0: wow a lot of people uh locating over there our our boy chowder became a man years ago and he moved over there
1: (laughs) yeah and now that loser's back here
0: (laughs) is he back in california
1: we are co-workers
0: Oh, get the fuck out of here, for real!
1: No, I <laughs> he he messaged me saying that he was coming. You know, he he had applied. I'm like, oh, joy, and <laughs> just a couple weeks ago, I'm um, I'm getting on the shuttle to, you know, to work, and he's like, hey, Mondo, and I look, and there he is. I'm like, for fuck's sake! Wow. I don't know the details. Don't know why he's back. I haven't got into that with him yet. Uh. That's his business. If he wants to share with me, you know, he will. If not, you know, no big deal. But um, I forget how long he was out there. But um, yeah, now he's back in Cali. I want to say he's gone back to the School of Hard Knocks a couple times. If I I can't remember him telling me that or not. So I don't know if he's looking to get back into it in this scene or what, but yeah, he's, he's definitely back. I've seen it with my own eyes. So he's definitely back here.
0: Wow. I wonder if, uh, Tommy Wilson's aware of this.
1: Uh, yes, he is.
0: Oh boy. Oh, business is about to pick up as J.R. would say.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I I, I don't, you know, it's not my business to talk. So I won't go into details, but I I was informed that they, uh, they patch things up. We'll just leave it at that.
0: Okay, that's well. That's good to hear. It really is. Yeah, you know, I've been hanging out with uh, with Tommy quite a bit the last couple of months, and like I'll tell you, what a journey he's fucking gone through.
1: Boy, I, you know, I, I heard through the grapevine because even though I I haven't been to a show in a couple of years, but you know, as I said, you know, I still keep in contact with a lot of people, and of course, wrestlers can't help but post their stuff up on you know social media. No matter what. And having heard of what Tommy had been through over the last few years, like how that guy is even still with us. Yeah. You know, a lot of choices were made. And then, you know, his medical issues came in. And for him to survive all of that and not only survive all of that, but now he's back in wrestling. I see that. I'm like, holy shit. Like that is something that, that is a story that should probably be told, you know, that that should be known more throughout the country and such. Cause that, you know, that kind of shit doesn't, doesn't just happen. Yeah. Like he, he paid, he paid a steep price for the decisions he made in his life. But he got through it and he's still here. He's happy. He's good. Seems that way. I haven't talked to him myself yet. Uh, maybe one day. Um, cause he, him and I, we had, you know, a good little run there back in EWF. So, but yeah, just seeing someone that you know about that you got close to, that you, you know, we palled around with and stuff, knowing his ordeals, you know, how close to death he was and then seeing him come back through it all and, you know, get back. Well, to he
0: actually did legally die three times.
1: <laughs> no shit.
0: Yeah. That's, oh, what, he, that's that. what he told me last month.
1: Oof. So, but to see him come through all that and get back to a place in life where he is happy, at least, you know, it seems that way. It appears that way. Where he wants to be in life again. Get literally a second chance. I mean, just wow. Yeah. Like that, that's a movie right
0: there. Yeah. You know, it worked out really well professionally and personally. It wasn't like a one-sided thing. Like all no. around in his life, things have been changed around and, and going really well for him. And, and I'm happy for him, man. I really am. Despite all the crap that he put me through at ringside spitting on me and, you know, spitting tea at my mixing boards and putting his ass in my face.
1: Hey, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff in wrestling, you know, it's, the term of endearment you know if he didn't acknowledge your existence at all it'd be much worse
0: that is very true that is yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, the, that's again like we don't know well, you know in wrestling like the worst reaction you can get out of anybody or anything is no reaction
0: yeah yeah you know and that's something that i mean it's more than just in wrestling too i remember um back during my undergrad when i was before i switched majors from uh, business to communications um oh, i had a really? yeah <laughs> oh no I, dude I've, I've had like four different majors wow yeah i've I, I'm gone to school 13 years straight pretty much I'm, and as a matter of fact i'm taking eight months off and going back this s- september for my master's
1: the communication this phony major
0: <laughs> yeah I, right i Learned, know that was my major <laughs> learn how to talk you know
1: I, I dropped out like i don't know like Five, six credits shy. Yeah, I was dumb. But yeah, that was my major. Uh, did you really? Oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm learned in, every, you know, radio, television. I, I know all that stuff. I, oh, I can,
0: okay.
1: I can work in front of the camera, behind the camera. I know TD, all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. Radio. I, I, I did all that. And then I just got, well, not to lay blame, but like, you know, obviously as you know, school costs money. Yes. And even back then, which was a long time, I don't want to date myself too much, but it was a long time ago. I'd imagine how much school costs now, but back then, you know, I'm like, Oh man, I'm spending a lot of money doing this. I, I had a couple scholarships, but I burned through those um, in a good way. And, but then I started working at the casino and I was making hand over foot. And I'm like, you know, a friend of mine once told me a, very celebrated quote from Shawn Michaels, Buck School. <laughs> yeah. We're making money. We're making money. Hey, let's go to wrestling school instead of actual school. Yeah. That's yeah. There there's my uh you know fork in the road right there.
0: <laughs> you know what, man, the old me would have made that decision as well. So I mean I can't blame you for that.
1: I mean I, I wonder how different I mean if I would have eventually got involved in wrestling anyways just because the desire was always there even then i got kind of started later in life as opposed to the majority of people who start getting involved in the wrestling business so i don't know who's to say
0: not as late as the boogeyman but late nonetheless right
1: no not really. and, late. <laughs> and, and by late i mean like early 20s because you know when i started like everyone was like teenagers so oh yeah even today from what i see is like a lot of teenagers you know, 17, 18 year olds breaking in. I'm like, oh my God, I wouldn't want to be around all that shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the look of the modern day wrestler has changed too because you can get a guy in his 30s that looks like a teenager.
1: Well, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, when you mentioned the look of the wrestler, I'm, I'm, t- I'm thinking size wise. Yeah. But my opinion, there aren't many like wrestler looking wrestlers these days.
0: That's true. That's a dying breed
1: but i mean that we we grew up you and i you know we're not too far apart in age
0: yeah.
1: we we grew up you know under hogan the warrior the big giant characters and when i look nowadays on social media and stuff you see pictures of you know you know wrestling classes you know first day in you know and you look at all of them like now none of them I'm Like I barely consider myself a wrestler. I don't look like a wrestler. I don't think I never thought that I can do it, but I never looked the part. Like if you saw me on the street, you wouldn't think I was a professional wrestler anytime. any time. And that's what's lacking. That's why I don't see enough of unfortunately.
0: Oh, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I remember um, having a discussion with some of the guys at school of hard knocks back when I was breaking in 2010, 2011 and it's just funny because it's like, you know, 13, 12, 13 years later, you, you and I hear talk about the same exact thing. It's, it's kind of scary how a lot yeah. of things in the business has changed except for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you can't, you can fault the wrestling schools, but at the same time you cannot because they need to make money and they're not in a position to turn anybody down just based on their looks so you have to if someone shows an interest no matter how big or small they are like oh yeah you're going to pay yeah let's go ahead and train you yeah and so yeah it's yeah that you don't have guys 65 250 walking into wrestling schools anymore you just don't you have guys 58 and 160 walking in those seems to be the only types that walk in so any wrestling school they can only You know, that's what they have to work with. That's what they have to do. Yeah. That's just the way it is now. So it's nobody to blame. It's just, that's just the way things are now. Because now men of that size, they come to realize it is a long, hard trek to make any kind of money in professional wrestling. And most people don't have the patience. So they go to alternate means to earn a living with their bodies, whether it be MMA or sport or any other kind of sport, what have you. Yeah. it's Yeah. That's, that's the long route.
0: Um, let's, uh, let's switch gears here a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the Mondo character. Describe exactly like, what was the King of the streets gimmick? How did you develop it?
1: Uh, it all came haphazardly on the fly. Originally I had wanted to do uh Pulp Fiction gimmick. Hence the name Mondo Vega.
0: Oh okay. Uh,
1: the the late Cincinnati Red, who was the booker at the time, um trying to figure out a gimmick, trying to figure out a name. And I was I told him, like, yeah, people in my work they say I look like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. And it just hit red. It's like, okay, you're Mondo Vega now. If you remember John Triplett's character in Pull Pictures, Vincent Vega. What yeah. His name? Mondo Vega. And I originally made a pitch, you know, get me, you know, in a suit and tie, you know, wearing the same clothes as him. Get me a, you know, a black tag team partner. We could work that whole gimmick, the briefcase, the whole nine. Um, come out to the music and just take it from there. Um, then it just kind of went totally askew. Um, I was a heel referee turned wrestler and the Pulp Fiction game it kind of just fell by the wayside because I was now working with Ryan Taylor, Hook Bomberry and that gimmick didn't suit them so I just really and and also at the time I started like as soon as I started wrestling I got injured and required surgery so I had two matches and then I was out for about eight months so there was really no room or time to work at Pulp Fiction gimmick instead I had to become a manager instead for Ryan Taylor and Hook Bomberry and Aiden Riley And I just became the antagonizing manager. No real gimmick per se, just loud mouth, just a heat magnet. And yeah, the actual gimmick just kind of fell by the wayside and it just became the character is just an asshole. Really, that's really the best way I can say it.
0: And uh, like the moniker King of the Streets, how did that, that come about?
1: Um, my first match, <laughs> not many people can say, this. my first match was a street fight. My first wow. was against our top baby face at the time, Bino Gambino. And it was a, it was made a street fight to kind of cover up for the fact that I was still green. I, I could work, but, but in k I was a referee, so I wasn't expected to know how to, like, I can't just be a referee one show and then come to the next show as a referee and knowing how to wrestle wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. So we made the match a street fight so I could fight, you know, instead of wrestle him. And I went over, he was on the way out of the company and they put me over just to, you know, maintain my heat. And the next show I cut a promo, put myself over and I, I, I admit, I totally ripped off the king of the streets nickname from a very famous legendary m m a fighter Marco Huas. His name was the King of the streets, King of the streets of Brazil. I'm like, oh, hey, Mondo Vega just won a street fight. I'm the King of the streets, and it's stuck
0: righty, nice, very nice um i you know i've always i've always liked the the name King of the streets, and I always thought of, it fit you perfect, especially with like You know, especially towards the the end there, with the gear that you had, the look that you had, that you were establishing, that your in ring style and whatnot, it just it was great, man. King of the Streets, and then like you had the playbook on your wrist.
1: (laughs) I missed the playbook. I love, I I man, I am really surprised no one else has done that or thought to do that. At the time I did, I'm like, see, I. I am always. I was always attempting to do what other people were not doing. It's easy to do what everyone else is doing. Yeah, do something that you don't see anybody else doing. Like you know what? I don't see anybody else wearing this stuff anymore. CM Punk used to wear the basketball shorts. It's kind of a takeoff on that because I was never comfortable in tights, trunks. I I didn't like the way I looked in them, and I didn't think anyone else would either. So <laughs> I went with the shorts. And like I said, CM Punk, big fan of his at the time, still am. He wore the basketball shorts for a very long time in ROH. And I, where I live, I live right by the, um, you remember, well, it's still around, the, the Tap Out clothing line. Yeah. They, their factory used to be in Grand Terrace, California. And every two or three times, there are two or three times out of a the year, they'd have a big warehouse sale. You go inside their actual warehouse and buy stuff at liquidation and they would sell mma shorts and such i'm like you know what i i like the thought of wrestling in mma shorts as opposed to wrestling trunks and these are super cheap and on sale no one else in the scene in the socal scene is wearing them let's do it so bought a few pair customized them up with my name on it and that's where I that came from also kind of feeds into the king of the streets wearing fighting gear in a sense um so yeah and then of course i just kept buying more and more i have i probably have about 80 pairs of mma shorts board shorts that i've worn in the ring now just sitting in the closet but um
0: <laughs> just like all them boots that john cena bought right
1: exactly <laughs> so it, it was just again everything just kind of came about haphazardly on the fly what can I do that no one else is doing what can I say that nobody else is saying and make that and again the uh, the playbook you know you see football players do all the time how nonsensical would it be for a wrestler to do that like it's 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 kind of breaking kayfabe, but at the same time it's not it's one of those things that kinda rides the line and it worked. Uh, unfortunately I didn't get a chance to work it further and bigger, you know, get seen by more eyes. But there would be shows where, you know, I'd be in the corner or outside on the floor and people would, you know, fans would be like, Hey Mondo, what's in the play? What's next? What's next in the playbook? What plays (laughs) out? I'm like, that's the reaction I want. You want a reaction. Again, it goes back. We want reactions to everything we do and say. Yeah. And that caught on. To some fans, again, I didn't get to work it enough to, for it to really catch on. But to this day, I still haven't seen anybody do that. Probably because it's goddamn ridiculous. But <laughs> it may, it would make me laugh if I saw someone do it. It makes me laugh to this day. <laughs> Why I did it in the first place?
0: Yeah, no, I, I I I loved it when you started uh, doing it. I, I noticed it right away, and I'd always bring it up in commentary because like I'd, I'd see you like lock in like the rear naked choke, you know, and you'd be like wrenching in on it and all of a sudden you'd flip that playbook up you start looking at it and I'd look at Sinister and be like, look at Mondo Vegas playing his next couple steps ahead, you know?
1: See, and and that's another reason why I did that or I do a lot of things I did in the ring is to, because obviously as you know and most people who would listen to us might know I did commentary as well and you got to give them something to talk about. Yeah. Because a lot of times and I notice it's the tail end of, you know, the shows I did, because I haven't, again, the pandemic kind of shut me down as well. I haven't really gotten involved in the business since the pandemic. But the last few years before the pandemic, honestly, I was getting kind of bored with a lot of the shows I would call a lot of the matches I would call because not really giving me anything to talk about. Yeah. And everyone's doing the same shit. So I always kept the mentality like, even if your match is boring, even if it's not clicking with the fans at least give the commentators something to talk about, something to put over for the DVD or now YouTube and streaming. Um, So you can at least attempt to help them make the match interesting, even if it isn't. Maybe they could tell an interesting story as the match is going on. So, yeah, I don't really think a lot of people subscribe to that mentality. Like, I, I... I wanted to do what I could do to make things easier for the commentators, make things easier for the photographers, for the camera people. It's all teamwork. We're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to make this work. Yeah. But you don't really get that anymore.
0: No, and it's it's, communication is key. you got to talk with everybody involved. Like when I was working, I was doing everything pretty much. I was doing the production, I was doing the commentary, the website, all that stuff. Uh, When Tin Man was around, he was doing camera work. So before the shows, he and I would go talk to some of the guys and ask, if you have any certain vision how you want your move to look, let this guy here know, and he'll get in position with the camera and get it the way you want it.
1: Right, and that's the thing that's lacking too from what I've seen. And granted, it's hard at the indie level, Yeah, but I mean... If, if I were working a camera, obviously me being, you know, bro- you know smart enough to everything, I would know where, to, like, even when I did Backyard way back in my teens, like, you would know where to be when something was about to happen, or you'd have an idea where something's, you know, going to take place, and that's yeah. lacking. Again, it, it sucks, that it, it's hard at this level, obviously, as you go up, you know, the tier to the pro level, they know, they have a better idea, they plan it out, obviously, but yeah, I mean... Everything you do, like, we all got to work together to make the production as good as it can be.
0: Yeah, your production's only as good as your pre-production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that was, you know, that was a thing that I always try to stress, you know. And, like, you know, the EWF, remember Coco would do a lot of Rome Cam when yeah. Tin Man left. And I would try to discuss with Coco some of the same strategies that Tin Man and I would have as a production team. Coco wasn't having it. Like, I constantly would see him with the camera above the middle rope. And I'd ask him certain spots, like, can you put that camera under the bottom rope? And he's like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, it does. You got a guy like Tyshawn Prince coming out. I want that low angle shot. It's the King Kong shot.
1: Right. Make him bigger.
0: Exactly. You know, and then like somebody else comes in, like it's all perspective. If you're looking down and looking up at somebody, they look like they have authority over you, not just even with size, but just, there's just authority. And if you're looking down at somebody, you as the viewer have the authority on them and you look down on them. Yep. But he wasn't understanding that, but you know, and that's, that's the kind of stuff right there. I would, I would learn that in my film classes being a communication major. And I would try to bring it in to the business on our level. Nobody was having it. Nope. <laughs> it was so stressful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I realized that right away. You know, I mean indie level, indie budget, everything about it is indie. And yeah. you just gotta like grit your teeth, turn a blind eye to it and try to just make what you're doing. I uh, granted you you covered the you know, the span of the entire show. I once I became a worker, it's like, Oh, I just gotta worry about my one match, my shit, and that's it. So
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I, the quicker you come to realize that you're like you know, it takes a little bit of stress off you, but at the same time you know you want the best, but unfortunately you're just not in the right uh area which to achieve all that
0: yeah absolutely and it, it it could be uh easy to burn out, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and I've both have experienced that quite a bit um. I, all right, this has like no relation on what we just talked about or even like where I'm going to go next in the interview here, but it's just something that has been on my mind that I wanted to bring up to you to see if you even remembered this or not. Okay. 2015, Stardom came out here to SoCal and ran two shows, one in Covina, one at Baldwin Park. Oh yeah. Um I didn't go to the Baldwin Park one, but I did go to the Covina one. Uh same. Yeah. And me, you, and Bart (laughs) were hanging out, and Chelsea Diamond came over and started talking to us. Yes. And you immediately started spitting game. (laughs) And I remember, like, Bart was kind of like just, all right, let you go at it, Mondo. And I'm just sitting there being polite, like, all right, cool, let this go. And I remember at that time, like, you hadn't worked in that building in quite some time. And you made, a, you made a, a, a comment about that. You, know, you were like, man, it looks, you know, it's weird being in here. I haven't worked in a while. And, and, and Chelsea Diamond asked you, why haven't you worked in a while? And as you were about to answer, I cut you off. And I said, Mondo hasn't worked since he put me in the wheelchair.
1: Fuck, uh-huh, really?
0: <laughs> and I remember Bart walked away. He couldn't <laughs> compose himself and you were just like, what the fuck? And never, she was like, oh my God, what happened? And she gave me a big ass hug. <sighs> and I told her that you fucking threw me in the corner wrong. Like I took like the sting bump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, remember that?
1: that at all. No.
0: Oh man. It, it was like the one and only time I think I got you guys to pop.
1: <laughs> Holy no, I don't remember that at all. Unfortunately. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That's so what, good.
0: That's one of my favorite <laughs> memories with you. Man, how do
1: I not remember that? Like, I guess I was too wrapped up in Chelsea Diamond that day or something. <laughs> right. But You
0: know what? I would, too. I wouldn't blame you on that. Just,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. It's all, it's all coming back to me now. All right. Right.
0: Just imagine, though. Think back, though, in all seriousness, though. The ladies that worked that night.
1: Oh boy, that uh, that I was just thinking about that too. Um, I probably in my top ten matches, indie matches that I've seen live, that um the Io Shirai and um, Mia Yim main event that was one of the best wrestling matches I ever seen in person. Yeah, that that match blew me away. And yeah, looking back now, I wish I had a lineup. I don't know if you have a lineup of who was. All, I remember for the most part a lot of the girls who were there obviously Io was there uh, Kyrie was there as well, correct
0: Kyrie was there yeah yeah Mia was there.
1: Thunder Rosa was there um, yep. Melina was special guest referee or did she wrestle she wrestled Hudson or was she a referee?
0: i want to say she was a ref, which uh, is funny because I remember Jake called me in before the the show even started and he goes, I know you're a, a, a you're a mark. So give me Molina's theme song because he didn't have it. So I had to download it on my phone and email it to him.
1: Right. And um, yeah, what a show that was.
0: Shayna Baszler. She was on there too.
1: That's right. Shayna was it. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I, I remember the thing I remember most about that show was we got to sit in on a training session. And I remember the boys just watching these girls train and just... simply in awe like holy shit look at the things they are doing it it blew all the boys out of the water because you know i you know it's no secret that japanese women's training is borderline torture yeah and you know they they run those girls through the ringer for a reason i mean it shows but uh yeah that was a really really good show the one and only time they ever worked in that area in this area right
0: Mm -hmm. i believe so
1: yeah that was something I remember because yeah,
0: they did Covina Friday and Baldwin Park on Saturday.
1: Yeah. I remember, obviously, you know, I was there with Hudson Envy. So that's how I got to spend a little more time around the girls than most. We had to, it, I can't remember if it was me or me and Hudson or me and, me and Chelsea. We had to pick up something from the hotel they were staying at. And we went into the wrong room. We went into the room of the promoter. I can't remember his name right now, but he is known for his distinguishable hats. Yeah. And we walked into the room and it was his room. And you just saw like five hats lined up on the table. <laughs> it was like, oh, my, <laughs> this is his room, those are his hats. He brought all these hats to the show for the weekend. <laughs> uh, it's so funny.
0: You know, uh, funny story about that promoter. Like, you know, when I showed up that day, I I was expecting like I was just gonna hang out with everybody before the show, and then I was gonna go outside, get in line, buy a ticket, and then go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hanging out with all you guys, and the promoter come around, and Jesse introduced me to him, and the promoter is like telling me, he goes, you know, oh yo yo you you sit wherever you want to sit, you you sit wherever you want to sit, and he like pulls like three chairs out of the way in the front row, and he goes, you sit here. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, well, first off, you said I could sit where I want. Now you're telling me I have to sit here. Like, what do I, what do they do, right? <laughs> and then I told him I was like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy a VIP ticket. I don't want to take somebody's seat. Like, let alone fucking, you just pull three seats, man. Like, that's a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to do that. I'm gonna sit in the back. You know, like the, the worker's rule, right? Sit in the back if you're not working. Yeah. And I was gonna sit in the back. You we know, all with some friends, whatnot. And he just kept telling me, man, he's like, you sit here, you sit here, you sit here. And then, like, the show started, and I go in the very, very back of the rows. I'm sitting there by that door in the corner. And um, in the middle of the show, the promoter's walking around, and all of a sudden, he notices that I'm not sitting in the front. And he starts making a big commotion. And he's, like, telling people, you move, bring the wheelchair up. And I'm like, no, get the fuck away from me, man. Like, just making this big, like... It felt like I was on the episode of Kerber Enthusiasm.
1: That's funny.
0: Yeah, like I, he took a liking to me, man. He kept asking if I was going out to dinner with everybody after the show, and I'm like, "No, I got to get home. I live like an hour and a half away." And he's like, "Ah, oh, but you know, we'll we'll I'll, I'll drive you." And I'm like, "No." Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is it with me, man? Like, does he want to, I don't know, take me up to Oregon and do some stuff with me, or? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Jeff. Um, right, <laughs> that would have been funny you you should have let them because like, I don't know how many vehicles they brought because I just remember at the end of the show they s- literally stuffed all the girls in one van and went back to the hotel so
0: that would have be been kind of cool if you would have took me back with all of them
1: that's what I'm saying
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ man I missed my opportunity like I did at Cauliflower one year
1: sure did man see oh yeah <laughs> oh, God, that place No, yeah. they still do that huh the Cauliflower? yeah
0: yeah, yeah. You know, they, they blocked me on all social media two years ago.
1: <laughs> what did you do?
0: Well, after the whole Chase and Rance thing happened, I was calling uh, them out publicly about a lot of that shit, and they blocked me. How? Because I don't take that shit lightly.
1: No, I, how is that guy still in existence, even after Me Too?
0: How, I, how he I, like- I have no idea, man. Even like the stuff that when, when Kenny Omega had him at the shows, and they right. gave him shit. I, I don't know
1: how that, that man's a, that man's more potent than a cockroach it's insane how
0: <laughs> he should Added be Vince's like, lawyer
1: <laughs> pretty much like that I thought they cleaned out most of the riff-raff after all that it's yeah. really amazing how that dude is still I don't want to say relevant but he's still involved somehow
0: Yeah it's it's pretty intense yeah recently too i think like 6 7 months ago uh, he was touting on social media about um, some new students, and a couple of them were minors. Ugh. And like one of them was like he made a champion or some shit like that, and there was a lot of people, you know, throwing a big fuss about it. And he went on a block rampage again. But yeah, I I don't know, man. I just, I can't wrap my head around that shit,
1: dude. Only in wrestling that that it's even to this day. Like it, all, it always amazed me how some people. They wouldn't be able to exist in the quote unquote real world, but in wrestling, they can thrive. Yeah. Don't understand it. It,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about this. Um, Quite a few of your close friends over the years have made it to like WWE, NXT, AEW, you know, people like Candice LeRae, Scorpio Sky, Ryan Taylor. Um, have you ever spoken to them about like their experiences? Um, if so, like, can you give us an insight of like how their runs have been and what, what are your thoughts about their, their runs in those companies?
1: Um, each and every one is deserved each and every one. I kind of figured they would, um, in, in my time, there's, maybe less than 10 people who, as soon as I saw them, I'm like, that person's going to make it. That person's going to get signed. That person's going to make it big. The three you just mentioned, uh, LA Knight, Sean Ricker, uh, the young bucks (laughs) that goes without saying, Christina Von Erie. Like those people like, wow. As soon as I saw it late, I'm like, they have to make it. There's no way they're not. But, um, When it comes to them, Ryan Taylor, Scorpio Sky, Candice LeRae, I am still very much in contact with Ryan Taylor and Scorpio Sky. I haven't seen Candice in maybe two years, I want to say. Obviously, it doesn't help that she lives in Florida now, so I don't really see her that often. Yeah. Um, But I'm just, you know... A degree, like, we have a mutual friend, kind of keep in contact that way. Um, I don't really make an effort to reach out to her because, obviously, she's a bit busy. Yeah. Um, you know, we're still on good terms, still good friends. Um, but either the three, I no, I, I don't really mention work. I don't, obviously, the smallest little bit of me is kind of compelled to, like, try to find some kind of dirt or may, Just some inner workings, like, hey, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? But no, uh, whenever I do see Ryan Taylor and Scorpio Sky, um, don't talk about work. Um, Maybe every now and again, Scorpio Sky will say a little funny line about, you know, the business or his job, but we never really go into detail about any inner workings, um, anything going on, you know, any kind of backstage drama or anything like that, you know, when the whole deal with CM Punk and the young bucks and Kenny Omega happened i wasn't like i was calling sky like sky what the fuck happened you know <laughs> yeah i think he was he was home he's been home for the last 6 months um same with Ryan Taylor like like he would be privy to tell me a story here and there but i never went i never went fishing for anything if they want to talk about it cool if not just as cool like we're friends well beyond the business and what goes on. I respect um, that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously being at that, that is their living, you know, maybe they don't like when I'm not at work, I don't want to talk about my job.
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah. I feel they're kind of the same way. I treat them the same way. I don't treat them any differently now than I have over the last 20 years. So yeah, it, it doesn't really ever come up in conversation
0: all righty fair and enough
1: i i think they respect that pretty much because again i haven't treated them any differently and they haven't like nothing has changed in any of our friendships being that they've been signed been signed and released nothing has changed we still look at each other in the same light
0: is there anybody currently in the scene over here in SoCal that, that you would like to see signed, say like in the next five years by one of the big companies? Hmm.
1: I would think right at the top of my head, it's kind of hard. Cause again, I, I'm not too active or following too, too closely. I am, but I'm not, um, obviously not as closely as I was following things, you know, four or five years ago. Um, The Wolf Zaddies, Tito, you know, Bad Dude Tito and Che, I think they would fit in. They look like they would belong on TV. I know they just had a match on AEW Dark or Elevation, one of the YouTube shows. Um, Tito's been killing it in New Japan. And I think they could fit in. Um, Who else? Who else? Um, I would like to see Watts, Eric Watts, get another chance. Yeah. He more than has the look and the size for it. I'm really surprised he hasn't. I don't know if that's on him or whatever else. Uh, Willie Mack just got a couple matches for AEW recently. And he, like, just his natural persona and everything would be. Very entertaining. That would be something you could watch on TV. So right off the top of my head, I would say those names I just mentioned. Those are the ones I would like to see get a crack. And, you know, I don't want to say anything like the bar has been lowered, but, I mean, I would want to say it's maybe a little easier to get into AEW than it is WWE, given who's in charge. 'Cause obviously the young bucks being from SoCal they know are a little at least a little privy to the SoCal talent. Yeah. So you'd like to think that again, when their last trip here at the beginning of the month, you saw a lot of, you know, current indie workers in SoCal, you know, get, you know, shots at it. I saw Johnny Robbie, Jordan Cruz, all, you know, names that keep popping up. Jordan Cruz especially, he looks the part like he could probably I haven't seen him work in a very long time. I remember meeting him right when he was breaking in. He was still training. I probably not even had a match yet, but he looks the part. I just haven't seen his in-ring work as of late, but I hear nothing but good. So, yeah, those are the names I would probably hope that they get the same chance that the Scorpio Skies and the Kenneth Lareys and the Ryan Taylors do.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm with you, especially on the Willie Mack thing, man. Willie, um, God, what a what a story he's had as well from his start in the business to where he's at right now and the journey that he's been on. And I I remember about ten years ago, I took part in a uh, uh, Impact Wrestling conference call with Samoa Joe, and I had asked Joe the same question I just asked you: Is there anybody in in the nation that you would like to see signed to a, one of the big companies? And the first name he brought up was Willie Mack. And that was 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Willie, like nicest guy in the world, man. And for a guy his size, boy, can he work.
1: Yeah, it was one of my biggest regrets. I didn't, I never got to work him. I was booked to, honestly, 10 years ago. Um, I remember it was a January show at Covina EWF. And the match was made. I think it was even advertised on the flyer. But I had to pull out because I had just injured my knees, which is a recurring theme. (laughs) And I actually injured both knees. Wow. Um, It was in a match against the A-list, against RJ and Yeager. remember, RJ, you just talked to him. And I somehow blew both knees and made it through. And didn't go to the doctor because, you know, doctors are for suckers. And just kind of let myself heal and rehabbed it the way i could the way i knew how but i knew i mean one knee like i worked on one bad knee for the longest time you just know how to work your way around it but i'm like two bad knees that's a little different and against willie Mac, yeah. can't no i can't uh, I'm not even, I'm good enough to work my way around that. I think I took about four months off and unfortunately I had to miss the booking. The shitty thing about that. Uh, I remember finding out this, finding this out from Willie later on. Um, he had been told that I was out, but to come to the show anyways. And if you know, Willie Mack, you know, he doesn't have a car. Yeah. So he Buses to get to his shows, and I remember him telling me he took about two or three buses to get to Covina, and he gets there. No, actually, he didn't find out I wasn't there till he got to the venue. He gets to Covina, finds out I'm not there. Okay, well, you you know, I'm here. I'm advertised. Let's get someone else. They didn't use him. Wow. So he, you know, took all that time out of his day. Had he known ahead of time, I can't remember how much in advance I let it be known I wasn't, you know, going to work it. But if he would have had enough time in advance to know, I'm sure he would have got another booking that night somewhere else. Because really mad. I mean, who's going to say no? Absolutely. I I saw him somewhere a couple months after that, and he told me what happened. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. And he's like, Nah, man, that's fucked up. And um, yeah, couldn't believe it.
0: I you know I I remember. Um, first hearing about you know like his the way he did transportation and whatnot the buses and 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 whatnot. Uh, not long after I got in the business, and one of my favorite stories is hearing that Josh Austin had to go pick him up one time. <laughs> and as soon as somebody had said that Josh Austin was picking him up, we were all doing our best impressions of Josh Austin rolling up in the crib saying, "Is anybody seeing Willie Mack? Because I Willie really need to find him." You know, like.
1: Oh, man, the fighter, Josh Austin. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh my good god. Good old Mister Muscle Beach.
1: Wow, that's that's a twosome right there.
0: <laughs> he's doing pretty good though. Um, I, I I hit him up every once in a while. You know, and he's he's pretty happy in his life right now.
1: Oh man, that makes one of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? That you're happy with your life, or that he's happy with his life? <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Good times. Um, Wow, we've almost been on for an hour, and we haven't gotten to one of the things that I've been desperately wanting to talk to you about. So let's do that now. Let's talk about the, I guess, not as big of an elephant in the room that I thought it was going to be, but still, it's sitting there. Your last appearance here on the podcast sparked a lot of controversy in the EWF, namely with handsome Johnny Starr.
1: Oh shit.
0: <laughs> Have your opinions of EWF and Johnny Starr changed since twenty fifteen?
1: EWF not really. Johnny Starr, yes. Okay, also. Johnny Starr, I mean, it kinda goes beyond the realm of wrestling. Um He did a a friend who's like a family member did a solid uh, upon the passing of chris cadillac's wife yes um the funeral pre- funeral was performed you know through his work you know at, you know breaking cave babe here you know johnny Starr's actual job and he came through myself and cadillac and you know all the friends and family that knew tiffany came through for us at a very very dark time so personally you know he you know did a great big favor for all of us at that time professionally i mean it you know he's a worker no different than the rest of us um no one no worker is going to turn down any opportunity like he had been given with his title run. Um, but again, it, it just goes back like what he did for us kind of supersedes anything that could, you know, come between us in the professional wrestling world.
0: Okay. Um, I, I, you know what? I understand that and I 100% agree with you and I, I respect that a great deal because similar situation with me. You know, because I, I took a lot of heat for your appearance on the podcast, you know, years ago, too, because I cracked a few jokes on Johnny as well. Mm. Um, He and I have buried the hatchet since. And uh, ironically, uh, two years after that, um, like you said, you know, his shoot job, uh, his family business performed the services for my grandmother when she passed away at 96. Mm. So... But, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I have a very sick sense of humor, right? So I always refer to it as I buried Johnny Starr and then he buried my grandma. <laughs> uh, that's
1: fucking good. Yeah. A sort of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: all good. Though. Yeah. We need humor in our lives to get from one fence post to the next, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, sticking with uh, some of the big elephants in the room and like you, have, you are a very outspoken individual um, in the in the business, especially here in this SoCal scene. Um, back in 2019, news broke of EWF referee Mickey Marino's past, which included him being on the sex offenders registry list. You know, Mickey was then removed from EWF. You, among others, very outspoken about the situation. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when that news broke? And what's what's your opinion on like similar people and situations in the wrestling business? And how did you think the EWF handled the situation?
1: Uh, poorly, <laughs> to put it <laughs> quickly in one quick word. Um, that was a day. I remember that weekend, which... The anniversary which is next weekend uh, yeah it
0: is Oh, huh? because it was february
1: february 16th or 17th that one say 16th something like wow. that y'all yeah don't forget a day like that um <laughs> no that weekend was pretty crazy because the ewf had a show that saturday the news broke some sun- late sunday night All day Monday, you know, just a drizzling shit show on Facebook and Twitter. And then that Tuesday was when we had or was an attempt to have a, you know, group meeting, staff meeting at the school, which I went to and, you know, gave my two cents.
0: Um, Well, I was not aware there was a meeting. You're kidding. No, I wasn't aware. Huh. Yeah.
1: We'll get to that. Um, that Saturday, they had a show at the um, the Elf's Lodge. Is it an Elf's Lodge or a uh, American Post in San Bernardino?
0: Um, the one that they s- still run? Yes. Uh, VFW.
1: Okay, VFW, yeah. I always get those buildings mixed up. But yes, the, the VFW venue in San Bernardino. Which is about a mile from my parents' house. So I always go or always went and went to this show just the same as any other. I wasn't booked. I was actually I was still recovering from my knee injuries, from knee surgeries. And I'm at the show, you know, just, you know, watching the show, talking to the boys. And in fact, I was talking to Mickey Moreno. We were talking about the UFC. I think there was a pay-per-view that night, or we were, you know, just chatting it up like normal. No big deal. I remember that, because it was the last time I ever saw him before all the shit hit the fan. I remember late Sunday night, you start seeing things pop up. I think it was on Twitter first. But it was pretty late at night. Like, it was after, like, 9, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, wait a minute, what what is this? Is this? No, 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 no. And I wake up Monday morning, and it, you know, shit hit the fan. Everyone in the area caught wind of it. The unfortunate post made by Jake Alexander went up. Um, Mickey's admission post went up. And, boy, it, that was... I, I remember talking on the phone with someone. I'm like, "What is happening?" Like, I was on the <laughs> I, I hate to be, I was on the computer all day, just looking and waiting to see reactions and what is being done. Why is this happening? How did this happen? Um, is this real? And you know, it was one thing to see everyone's reactions, but the key reactions were Jake Alexander's post, basically saying, "Hey." this you know he's my friend he's still a good dude it, you know i hope this like yeah. i hope this clears up his name like no it's it doesn't clear up anything like him admitting to this it, and obviously being that it struck a chord with me the way it did and so many others when the link went up describing his case or wh- what however it is and you really read into the details of everything that he did, it just made it even that more sickening. It's like, wow, like, you know, seeing everyone's anger, seeing everyone shocked, like especially those who were close to him, who did consider themselves friends to be just totally blindsided by it. And then when you think about it more and more about how like, wow, he came straight from prison and began working with the EWF, because no one's going to ask, are you a registered sex offender? Have you ever been to jail? Have you ever been to prison? They don't get asked those questions when you're signing up to an indie wrestling school. There's no background checks. He knew that. That's the sickening part of it. Whether or not he knew there was gonna be children, minors involved, Who's to say? But seeing Jake's reaction to it, seeing the post that Jesse put up, you know, basically, you know, those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones type of bit. Like, those are the last two people who should have said anything as I told them at the meeting at the school, all you had to do was post, you know, we're no longer associated with Mickey Moreno. And that was it. But instead I told them you went about it in the wrong order. Like they posted a, ugh, everything that happened throughout the day that Monday, everyone posting their post I remember after a couple hours, Mickey Moreno's Facebook was deactivated. Has never been up since. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's seen or heard from him since. Um, Jake took his post down, but myself and others, you know, made you know note to take screenshots and pictures of it for proof. maybe just out of the outrage, like, you actually said that. You actually let it be known. This is how you feel about that situation. And after the entire course of the day, I think it was probably like 7, 8 p.m., the EWF Twitter posted, we are no longer associated with Nicky Randall. Like, you waited this long? (laughs) Yeah. You waited 12 plus hours to say that? That should have been the only thing that came out of the EWF at all involving that.
0: Not and to, that's yeah. kind of surprising considering how many people that are so close to Jake and Jesse that have a background in public relations.
1: <laughs> Not to get off the subject, but there was a recent development with SoCal worker Hunter Freeman. Yep. Some severe accusations, and pretty much everyone, uh, Ground Zero, Level Up, SoCal Pro, immediately cleared their hands of him. Yeah no one posted any opinion, no one posted any, like, Oh, well, we don't know everything that's going on. Like, Oh, well, you know, he's admitting. So that means he's a good dude. Or, you know, the Lord, you know, allows, you know, for redemption, that kind of shit. No, They're Just like, no, nope, I'm not dealing with him anymore. Why that couldn't have happened four years ago, still to this day, just like, why would you think that was the smart thing to do? Like, you, you want to be taken seriously as a business, but when it comes time to do business things, you went through your personal feelings in the way. And I told them that Yeah, there, there was a message sent to some of the boys, obviously not all the boys, if you didn't know about it, but it was asked of those who wished to attend class that Tuesday to talk things out. So I oh. attempted to get everyone I could, um, I attempted to get Ryan Taylor to come with Chris Cadillac.
0: I would have um, went if I would have known. I would have been there.
1: Right. Um, I wish you would have. Uh, there were yeah, not.
0: I would have had enough, a lot of stuff to say.
1: There were not enough people there. Um, wow. I know by that point, Fidel was yeah. Fidel was too upset to go because he talked to Jesse over the phone about it, and um,
0: he I, was very upset over that whole situation that whole damn day.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you
0: know, he's the most vocal guy,
1: you know, he has four sisters and he has, you know, a little baby niece he cares the world about. So that, you know, struck a chord with them, obviously that, yeah. you know, as many of us do, we have that, you know, we look at Jesse as a father figure and I know Fidel very much did. You know, Fidel's been involved with that company as a fan since he was a teenager, and you know, came up the ranks to become champion and all that. So, yeah, I, f- I felt his pain. Like we talked about it a little bit, and you know, it, it just drove him insane. He talked to Jesse about it over the phone, and Jesse was just I can't remember now what Jesse told Fidel, but it just absolutely broke his heart, and Fidel's hasn't been back since. But I waited. I wanted to do it in person. Um, So I went. And like I said, there weren't enough people there, unfortunately. Um, It was myself, Johnny Star, (laughs) um, Super Beetle, uh, a handful of trainees who never amounted to anything, Jake and Jesse, And Jesse's lawyer. Um, We know who that is. Yeah. Um, I want to say there was a couple other people there. I can't remember. Um,
0: Wow! not knowing that Jesse's lawyer was there. I definitely really wish I could have been there then.
1: I want to say Viking warrior was there.
0: Wow. Man, Uh, that's a name I haven't heard in a while.
1: Yeah. But yeah, not not as many of the boys as I hoped but sat through the entire training and got to the end and I I man I wish I could have recorded it I I just went off I let them know how dumb of a decision it was I you know I told them like I was talking to everybody in the room like what you know how like imagine if a referee in WWE had been accused of this or this had been found out. And imagine if Vince McMahon and triple H went online to defend this dude, what would happen? Yeah. And that's basically what happened. And I'm like, is there going to be any repercussions from this? Like this looks bad. This looks beyond fucking bad. Like it's so like can't fire Jesse to his company, but uh, you run the risk of losing sponsorships. You run the risk of losing venues, which I'm amazed they didn't. And the thing about it was I, I, I went off. It was probably the best shoot I ever did. (laughs) Wow. Um, they didn't say a word to me. They just stood there and took it.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, how can you like re- respond yeah. to that in a different way?
1: Yeah. There's no way to spin it. There's no way to defend it. Yeah. And I could tell you, I don't know if it was later that night or the next day, uh, Jesse's lawyer who I know, and you know, he hit me up and he pretty much, he basically agreed with everything I said good said that i was totally in the right for feeling that way um i kind of put them in their place and yeah i just let it be known just how evidently bad they fumbled that uh, and i wanted to what the only thing I, I want to know now is as much as they were in love with him and they were because he was their number one brown noser, I'm like, okay. Looking back on it now, it all makes sense. What you know, he knew what he did. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew being involved in a business was probably not best. So what does he do? He gets on the good side of the top people. He. You know, he was the stool pigeon. Like we would, we, you know, I can't tell you how many times it took me a while to figure it out. Like, you know, the boys be hanging out after class, shooting shit, talking, venting, complaining, griping about their booking, what have you. And then. Next day or whatever, Jake and Jesse would know about it. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, well, we've heard, you know, some people talking, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like. How did they know?
0: What a stooge.
1: He was a stooge.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: He just get in the good graces of Jake and Jesse. (coughs) So much so, got him a tryout. Jesse arranged a tryout for him with WWE.
0: Yep. He was actually featured on WWE.com in one of the photos. I remember that. Yeah.
1: And what happens when shit hits the fan? They defend him. how nuts is that
0: Yeah no I'm I'm with you on that that all they had to do is put out a very simple short statement and that's it anything else that they had to say they could say it in private not public
1: Yeah and honestly after that I mean I I wish you know it's been 4 years I can't remember everything I said in detail that night I wish I could um to be a more interesting story to tell you right now. But yeah. I remember leaving that night and telling myself, like, okay, okay. He's not coming back. Can I see myself working for this company again? And I told you know, after a couple of days of really thinking about it, I'm like, okay, I think I can. I'm not see my thing is if if this happened anywhere else, any other company, I wouldn't care. And similar things have happened in other companies. Didn't care. I'm like, okay, you know, hey, that's not my pig, not my farm. That company will take care of it. Their people will take care of it. Maybe I just won't work there. Don't really be associated too closely with them. But EWF is home. Said that a million times over the years. That's why it bothered me this much. I'm like, okay. I think I can go back. I'm just not going to be as Close to the company as I had been I'm not gonna be as involved I'm not gonna care as much. I'm just gonna go in there be a professional do a match and leave But then I find out a Couple days later if you remember <laughs> Another fucking name to bring up bar wrestling. Oh boy uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember but they would rent the owner of Bar Wrestling, would rent out Jesse's ring for his shows. Were
0: you aware of that? Um, Kind of. I knew knew that Bar would rent the ring out from various people. I obviously knew that Jesse was one of them, but I also was under the impression that he rented from Dino every once in a while, too.
1: No, I think nine times out of ten it would be Jesse's ring.
0: Okay, so it's like, like PWG would rent it out, too. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, so, obviously, Jesse would be at the ring with his shows. And I could tell you from a very good source, who I will not name, a conversation was had. This would have been Wednesday, that Wednesday, the day after I went and shot on Jesse at the school. Wednesday night, bar wrestling conversation has had between Jesse and my friend, and they started talking about it. And from Jesse's mouth to my friend, to my ears, he still feels that what Mickey did wasn't that bad. Wow. And I quote, it's not like he killed anyone. Oh, jeez. It was consensual. And these things happen in other countries. Now, when I was told that, that's when I, that was it for me. I'm like, he still feels that, that's how he feels after all this. I can't have anything to do with him.
0: Man, and it, you know that ticks me off to hear that. I mean, obviously, I you know, wasn't there, didn't hear it, but hearing it from you telling me years later, and it pisses me off because it's it's more than a consensual thing. It's more than that. It's I know the I know the specifics of the case in and out. I've, <laughs> yeah, and it's a situation of first off, you have to look at the the age gap between mm-hmm. Mickey and the victim, it was 10 plus years. Yeah. And then he was in a position of authority because he was a teacher at a school and this was a 16 year old student. Yep. And so it's more than just a consensual thing. It's an abuse of power. Mm-hmm. That's fucking wrong, man.
1: And you look at the timeline, it went from on um, from September to May. went on the entire school year. Yeah. And then the parents found out and blew the whistle on him. Like, cause, yeah, it, cause, you know, if it were consensual, the parents wouldn't, you know, be so quick to, like, hey, get away from our daughter. Come on.
0: Yeah. And his, his punishment, the sentence that he served wouldn't have been as severe as it was.
1: Yeah. And, and then him having the nerve to say, hey, like, I, I shouldn't have to be registered as a sex offender or something to that effect where he was upset that he had to be registered as a sex offender now. Yeah, like you, you, you did that. This is you. This is who you are now. Like, we're a step away from carving a swastika in your head so let everybody know who you are. Holy shit! <laughs> Same difference. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. I haven't communicated with. Jake or Jesse since that day. I don't know how Jake feels about it. I don't know if either of them were still in contact with Mickey at all. I'm very curious as to if that would be the case. That'd be something.
0: Yeah. If it they would were be interesting,
1: if they were just that in love with him and that, you know, they, they seem to really value his friendship and what he did for them. You know, even though there was some underlining means to it, you know, you were just him up to get on their good side. That's why you did all the things you did. But I wonder if they've ever maintained contact with him. Because as far as I know, I don't think anyone has. But I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. You know what the biggest unfortunate thing out of this entire situation is? What? It could have been avoided. How so? First time First time anyone's going to hear this in 2015. I found out about this and I brought it to Jesse Hernandez's uh, attention. Mm -hmm. I let him know about Mickey Marino. Ryan Marino is his real name was on this sex offender registry list. After I found out this, the day that I found out that he was on that list, I went to San Bernardino and showed Jesse, not just told him, but I showed him on my phone, the website so Jesse was aware years prior to the news breaking about this.
1: Wow. See, that that kind of tells me right there a little bit all I need to know. Like, he, he was so in good with Jesse. Jesse would be willing to turn a blind eye to that. Because there were other instances... Where, you know, sugar sweets. Yes. There wasn't anything posted. There wasn't a meeting. There was a meeting at the show saying, hey, we're not dealing with this guy anymore. He's not coming back. And upon finding out why that was, oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. Good riddance there wasn't any public defense there wasn't anything similar thing happened 10 years prior with Laga Rivera there's some accusations made however they turned out to be false but when the accusations were first made we're like oh hey we're wiping our hands clean of Laga Rivera we had a meeting pre-show saying hey until we know more we're not working with him we're not associated with him but it turned out to be false and he was welcomed back but yeah sugar sweets there was no reposting of anything there was no saying hey he's a good dude he's not the man i know there was none of that
0: i don't even remember any website or dirt sheet even covering it
1: no <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how, to, how it was found out, but I mean, obviously, he he was locked up for it, so we knew that much.
0: Yeah. I tried to find information on it years later when I had access to Westlaw, mm-hmm. and I, I couldn't find anything on it. So I, I have no idea where to access the—unless I actually probably went to the courthouse and got the records, but yeah. Yeah. Because no. I, I wanted to know the details of that case, too.
1: So— it's funny. It's not funny. He, that man actually reached out to me recently about two weeks ago
0: uh-huh.
1: on Facebook Messenger. Say, hey, let's see if I can find it.
0: Sugar Sweet, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how it was. It was like a year, year and a half ago. I had stumbled across a profile of his on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, like just like on Facebook, however, once in a while it shows like, you know, people you may know and all that kind of stuff or suggestions on people to follow. And I saw his picture and recognized it. I went there, saw some very questionable content that man has been posting on social media and haven't looked back since I out of sight, out of mind.
1: Yeah. January 13th of this year, Michael Sterling reached out to me asking, I know we haven't talked. That's cool. Most of he's really poor at putting together sentence. Most of everything you heard about me is wrong, until that cool crazy guy you met long ago. Well, anyways, it's been a very long time, and for the new year, just wanted to reach out to you and say have a great year, and ask me anything, at all. And I did not respond. I'm like, why? on not? Earth? But anyways, point being, they were quick to respond, quick to react to those accusations, to you know, sweep it under the rug be done with it but no for Mickey Moreno for Ryan Moreno they stuck their necks out for the absolute wrong person and it cost them a lot of loyal people you know myself you Fidel Bravo um, I know Adrian Quest hadn't been back Ryan Taylor only worked one show for them since after being released from WWE I was a favor Um, True Grit Gave you know relinquish the tag belts.
0: Yep, I remember that.
1: The only bad thing about it, and I I knew it too, I think I might have even said it that night at the school, is EWF isn't big enough to have anything happen to them because of this. They're gonna keep on. And as time goes on, people are gonna come in, new people are gonna come in not knowing what happened. You're going to come in with a clean slate and just go about their training, getting to know the wrestling scene, getting to know Jesse and Jake. They're not going to know anything about what happened. Yeah. And if you walked into that school now, no one would even know who Ryan Moreno is. They want to know who I am, they want to know who you are. And unfortunately, that's just wrestling. That's just that they'll... They've been able to recover from it and maintain their position on uh, in in the business. They're still existing, not quite as well because they don't have Covina. I saw that coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I saw that coming way before the pandemic even happened.
1: Yeah, that was just their excuse. It was pretty pretty cutthroat on you know the Knights of Covina, Knights of Columbus Hall part, but I mean, yeah. they saw their opportunity and they took it. Yeah, they did. And <laughs> when I found out, I'm like, wow. I ha- kind of had a feeling they were going to do that. Use the pandemic as a crutch. It's like, oh, yeah, we can't afford you. Or like, it, we have and to it raise sucks break because
0: there. Jesse ran that building for a long time.
1: Oh, yeah. Like 20 years, I want to say. Close to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, as I, re- I remember my first time going there was the 10th anniversary, which you refereed on that card. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. That's how long ago it was. Terex was uh, Johnny Starr's lawyer.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's my boy Jay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, man, yeah, he's been he ran that building for a long, long time.
1: No, that's. I remember. I think it was SoCal and Censor. They put in their top ten venues of wrestling in SoCal. Wow, that's how much of an institution that place was. It really, really was, and. The names that have worked in that building. I mean, you know, we mentioned it earlier like EO Shirai, Mia Yim, uh, Carl Anderson, TJ Perkins, um, Greg Hammer Valentine, Honky Tonk man, Frankie, Frankie Kazarian, thank you, Scorpio Sky, Ryan Taylor, Candice LeRae,
0: and Marty Elias is refereed in there.
1: Marty Elias, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> wow, yeah. Rock Riddle, oh,
0: Yeah. Rock Riddle,
1: Well, no, I, I heard that they, uh, I think the asking price for for what they told Jesse, they were going to charge him like 3000 a show.
0: That's what I heard recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, there's no fucking way. Yeah. Because before that, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was under a grand. Wasn't yeah. It? That, it is in that neighborhood. I think
1: it might've reached a grand towards the end, but yeah. Uh,
0: Man. Eh. Business, ladies and gentlemen, not even the wrestling business, just business in general. Crazy.
1: But yeah, um, it's still like I'm still very much attached to EWF. I still have a couple friends are involved with EWF and I'm still they actually still follow me on Twitter. I could probably have that end any minute now, maybe next week. Um
0: Wow. Why?
1: (laughs) I was unfollowed and blocked by Jake and Jesse on social media. But I'm still able to see pictures of the shows like, you know, I live in the area still, so I still come across flyers. Um, And obviously I'm biased when I say this, but it doesn't look the same. It doesn't look as good or as polished as when myself and previous, you know, establishment were around, were involved. Um, I'm not, I get just, the same feeling. No, I'm not 100 percent sure who's in charge of training. Um, I think I've heard Fletcher Fugaz was in charge of training. Um, not 100 percent sure if he still is, but, um, the product just doesn't, I mean, and you don't really hear about it outside. I mean, granted, EWF has always kind of been in a bubble because of its location. Yeah. like this far inland you know the major websites and you know uh social media sites don't tend to come out this far to see wrestling you know you have santino's much closer to la championship wrestling from hollywood obviously in the area they tend to stick to those promotions so they don't really come out here that much that's always been the case um But yeah, I don't, it just doesn't come off as cross to me as good or as prepared as they used to be. Because it doesn't get mentioned in the same breath as those other companies now.
0: Yeah. Which is unfortunate because there was a period of time there where it had a lot of potential to get to that big next level and just never did.
1: I I think, again, I heard something that they were going to get involved with TV somehow, but... That was mentioned, I don't know, how many times over the years.
0: Yeah, I think that's been mentioned more times than promises to put on shows at The Orange Show.
1: But, yeah, a bunch of big, empty promises always. Made, but I'm sure that's the case with every promotion in SoCal. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious because, you know, I know Jesse doesn't have too many years left in him to do this. Or that he wants to do this for much longer. I'm just curious what's going to happen when the day comes that he is going to step aside. Like, is he just going to fold it completely or is it going to leave it to Jake, which wouldn't be ideal at all? Um, yeah, I'm really concerned. It's going to be very, very unfortunate to see that come to an end, but I mean, it's going to go out on a whimper from what I could see.
0: Yeah. That's sad. That is, um, Mondo, before we head out real quick, um, do you mind playing a game of name association?
1: Oh, fucking ain't right.
0: Alrighty, alright. I got a good list of names here for you, buddy.
1: I'm sure you do.
0: Alrighty, ready?
1: Shoot. Or i <laughs> Yeah,
0: right, yeah. Pull out the guns, ladies and gentlemen. Shoot at the welcome wagon. Um, first name on the list. Ryan Taylor.
1: Achieve the dream. And Unfortunately, it was much briefer than we had hoped. But I could tell you he, he was completely validated and vindicated by everything he did. He got to where he wanted to be. And no one can ever take that away from him. And he's content with that. And even though he's only there a year, he it all paid off. For it. like All the hard work, everything he did to get to that point paid off. He made it. He was a television wrestler. He was a WWE contracted wrestler. And I can tell you, that contract is insane. It's like 85 pages long. Wow. It's nuts. I held it in my hand. I was going to sign it for him. <laughs> but <laughs> it's really insane. like, dude, you need to get a lawyer to read this thing. He's like, nah, bro. I just signed it and sent it back. I'm
0: like. And that's just an NXT contract, right? Like the main roster is probably going to be crazier.
1: Well, it's all under the same umbrella.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure there's probably more terms and stricter stuff.
1: No, I think it all fell under the same cuz I heard similar things from Candace when she signed her contract.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I was there. I was with Candace when she, when she found out that she got the contract. We were at Disneyland. Oh, nice. And then her mom called her she's like, "Oh, hey, this came in the mail today." Like, "Oh, fuck." <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> Talk about, you know, being at the happiest place on earth and getting the happiest news you possibly could, right?
1: Yeah, that was a hell of a day.
0: Yeah. Wow. But uh,
1: like, anyways, uh, yeah. Ryan Taylor is content regardless of, you know, however long he was there or not.
0: Yeah. Well-deserved though, getting that spot. And, uh, God, I was so happy for him, man. When I saw him on TV, you know, cause yeah. like it, it, my voice is on a lot of his matches. Yeah. You know, and going back and, like, seeing the growth that he did. Like, he was fucking, like, he was ready when I got in the business. He was definitely ready by the time that he actually got that contract. He was beyond ready.
1: He was about to give up, actually. Um, Really? Oh, yeah. That was his last-ditch effort to get in. And it came through. I was the first person he told. And I had to... (laughs) I had to keep my mouth shut about that for about 4 months. It was hard. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: Well, yeah, we we kept it super under wraps. That's just how we went about things. And um if you remember um I posted on Facebook his uh you know, his PC photo.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And um Cause he'd already been in Florida about two, three months by that point. Um, but he sent me the photo. I'm like, Oh, so I can tell everyone. I was like, yeah, they're about to, they're about to drop it on, you know, Twitter and such. I'm like, Oh cool. I get to beat them to it. So yeah, it's pretty fun.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, next name on the list. Um, Lalo Gonzalez.
1: Ah, Lemo. <laughs> <laughs> um, No offense, and I'm sure you won't take any offense, but he probably my favorite announcer over the entire course of time. I can't remember even when we started having commentary in EWF. Uh, Probably wasn't around until 06, 07, because I can tell you I have VHS tapes of old shows there'd be no commentary, no commentary at all. And just the matches. Yeah. Um, but then Cincinnati red took over the book and he felt the need to have commentary. And I'm not sure if Lalo was the first may have been, I can't remember exactly, but for whatever reason, like him and Larry Pena, those two together, together—that's probably my favorite combination of announcers anywhere in SoCal for me over the last 20 years.
0: Um,
1: Alyssa Marino. um, Shoot. What was her work name? I can't remember her work name, but um, she too, is probably the most professional commentator I worked alongside briefly before she got signed to WWE. Um, was it Kathy Campanelli? I think that was her name or work name. Anyway, um, but yeah, um, Lalo, yeah, funny guy. I still keep in contact with him. Um, he's actually recently; he's still recovering from a pretty severe car crash he was in uh, about maybe six months ago.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing that on Instagram.
1: Yeah, and I reached out to him, and we kept in contact. I still see him on occasion. At his job, he um, he's the announcer for the Inland in- Inland Empire 66ers minor league baseball team. Yep. So he gets me comps every now and again whenever I ask for
0: it. So nice.
1: But uh, no, um, again, probably my favorite voice, um, and he was commentator in my first match, and um, for a good little stretch after that. But, yeah, those, those two, like Larry like Larry and Lalo, those are, those are, yeah. If I were to have one last match, I would want them to call it.
0: Right on, man. Yeah, Lalo's got a smooth voice.
1: Really does. Really does.
0: Yeah. you want Very to think he's money. a
1: fat pud, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, he's my dude. I get to break his balls like that, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, Lalo's a good guy. I haven't talked to him in a while, but, you know, we, we're still friends on social media or right on Instagram and uh yeah he's 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 living the dream too because like I, he loves baseball
1: oh yeah oh yeah we yeah. All baseball still yeah.
0: do that one again but yeah um next name on the list uh chris cadillac
1: um father to my godchildren um don't know if you knew we were that close um do so know the wrestling gods just have a way of bringing people together that you wouldn't think you would be friends with but here we are um, about 15 16 years later I've known him um, you know we just hit it off and became friends with the wife and as our friendship grew they decided to name me godfather to both their children and you know we've had a lot of ups and downs in the last three years since her passing and since we've all kind of taken a step back from wrestling but we still very much consider ourselves family and I I put him and a couple like I like to tell people like we kind of came into the business at the wrong time Like we came into the business a little early. Like if, if we came into business now, as opposed to 2008, 2009, Mm -hmm. I think we would have prospered much better. I think we came in just a smidge
0: early. Um, Why is
1: that? Uh, There weren't as many opportunities back then. Back then in 2009, really the only game in town was WWE, and at the time they were not looking at indie workers. Um, as I said, it seems a bit easier to get involved with AEW these days. And I think, you know, at our peak, again, at that time, 09, 10, 11, I think possibly myself, definitely Chris Cadillac, would have gotten noticed. Hudson Envy would have gotten looked at um because at his peak uh there were a few better than chris cadillac he's still to this day one of the fastest wrestlers i've ever seen that's why we na- named him the king of speed when he was in kos down in san diego for new way pro i mean very innovative at the time too as well like the um shooting star cannonball in the corner yeah that was him a little hot-headed at times even still to this day but you know still good still family and yeah um had he broken in around this time i think he would have gotten a little further than what he had
0: he also went by the nickname zero gravity right
1: yeah, that was his first like initial nickname.
0: Yeah, yeah. still a good name and very marketable. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great guy.
1: Yeah, just just saw him a week ago, as a matter of fact. Yeah, still still doing as well as one can be. It's a it's hard life now. Hard life's a little harder now, but he's yeah. making making do very well.
0: Um, I like jumping into games with him and RJ once in a while. We get together and we play Among Us. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's fun. Just bullshitting with each other, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. Um. Next name on the list, the expert Matt Sinister.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I mean, kind of goes without saying, you know how this one goes. Um. Someone I wish I would have been able to work. And more of a fan of mine than I thought he was. Um, You know, his recent passing, I attended, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend his services and upon meeting his wife, um, she recognized me right away. I'd never seen or met this woman before, but she knew who I was. Like, oh like hi, I'm Mondo Vega. And she's like, Oh, I know who you are. Matt loved you. Matt always talked about you. We always watched your stuff. I'm like, Really? I mean, I was just floored. I mean, what, what bigger compliment can you have really? I,
0: I can confirm that a couple of conversations that Matt and I had and we would talk about the business and his career and stuff like that, he you were among the list of guys that he wished that he could have worked.
1: Oh boy, that would have been something. Oh yeah, I would have beat the shit out of me. He was a big guy, but I mean,
0: (laughs) you get that playbook going, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, mentally, like our mindsets were very similar. Um, and he was on my case, not in a bad way, but he's like, "Man, you just need to get in better shape, and you could go places." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know, I'm trying, but I fucking love food, Mac. Jesus Christ." (laughs) Um, But he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Um at all, so yeah, hearing upon his passing, it just really, you know, ugh, we're, we've lost a lot of good people over the last few years, just very quickly, very suddenly. And um, as I said at his at his services, I'm just really glad he found a good, happy place in life because I was genuinely worried about him for a number of years. Like I really thought he was just going to leave us on his own accord. If you know what I mean? Um, and, he,
0: and he almost did.
1: Right. Um, he joked about it. He brought it up countless times. I'm like, man, that it wasn't good. He was not in a very good place, but um, he was able to find it. And obviously it, it makes me hopeful for the future. Cause you know, I get down a lot and knowing that he was able to find some salvation that Tommy Wilson was able to, you know, get in a good place in life. You know, it's very inspiring for people like me, like anybody, quite frankly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I am just really glad he was in a good spot when his time came and it was really nice to meet his family and get to have conversations with them and, um, let them know, what
0: he meant to me and vice versa. You know, I had a similar experience as well. Um, when I, after, you know, got news of his passing and whatnot, and uh, I had gotten contact information for his wife and, and I messaged her on Facebook and I introduced myself and she said similar response to you. She goes, I, I know exactly who you are. Mm. And I'm like, really? She goes, there's a photo of you in our living room. Jesus Christ. I'm like, wow. Because, you know, like I, like like I've said on Twitter and Facebook at, at the time of his passing and I'll say it again. And you and I discussed it earlier too. You know, you can count on one hand people that you consider true, genuine friends that you meet in the business. Matt Sinister is on that list. And for me, he was more than just a friend. He Mm. was my business big brother. Hmm. I looked up to him. He took me under his wing. I can't even count how many times we would have phone conversations with each other, just shooting the shit. We would talk for hours. Mm -hmm. Like we got to know each other on such a personal level, man. We, I, he was my brother. Mm -hmm. I miss him so much. I really do. I can't imagine. He was such a good guy.
1: He really was. And he didn't look it. That was a funny thing. Yeah. he looked like an asshole, and you know, part of him was, but you know, I mean, just that's that kind of wall you have to put up, yeah, in wrestling. But um, he looked like an asshole. He sounded like an asshole,
0: but <laughs> yeah.
1: he was a genuine good dude.
0: Yeah, he was on the cover of an NSYNC album too.
1: That's right. Well, oh, yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, next name on the list, uh, we got R.J.
1: Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow holy crap especially after this what his story that he just told on the podcast right
1: (laughs) (laughs) no um he's one of the guys that i you know we we banter with each other back and forth on facebook about baseball now mainly um oh he's uh one of my
0: especially after this last season right what happened
1: ah yeah that fucker uh (laughs) I guess I kind of asked for it. I don't know, but <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't, we don't, let's not get started on the Dodgers. I'll get even more pissed. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah. one of my parents' favorite wrestlers, because my parents, especially my mother would go to pretty much every show and, uh, they had a list of their favorite wrestlers and, uh, both of the A-list were on it. They loved them. And, you know, they were at the house, you know, many, many times. And you know, got to know my parents and stuff. Um, Again, maybe he, too, falls under the, the category of uh, right place, wrong time. You know, maybe if there were more eyes on the SoCal scene when RJ and Jeremy Yeager were a part of it, they might have been able to go further with it because they were just that talented. They had that intangible. There was just, you know, they had that magnetism that drew people to them. The A-list were crazy over. They were good. Oh, yeah. And even RJ had a brief little singles run there. Um, Given time, he would have been able to, you know, I think do more. But again, like like I said, like there's just that small group where, you know, I guess wrestling wasn't as popular as it is now. And, you know, there weren't as many shows. There weren't as many avenues to succeed and you know what can you do?
0: Um, how about Benjamin Thomas?
1: Oh Ben, I missed that guy. Um another good dude won't take any shit from anybody. Seems like a happy <laughs> seems like a happy camper, but he'll put you in your place if you fuck with him. Oh, uh, yeah. uh love him and his wife Kathy um, Wish they were still here, but you know, I know they're enjoying life out in Vegas. I saw them About five years ago. I think it was the last time I saw them. i we were out at a hockey game of all things. Of course. Yeah, um Good dude good announcer always, you know, good to see him. Always a pleasure to have around uh, Can't say anything bad about Ben Thomas at all. I don't think anybody can quite frankly um, and if they do, there's
0: something wrong with them. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ben's a great guy. I'd I like to hang out with him every time I go out to Vegas, like every two or three months. Just Damn. saw him like a, a week and a half ago. He was out here in Hemet working West Coast Wrestling Company for oh, Adam Ginsburg. I
1: saw that. Yeah. Yeah. The Ginsburg show.
0: Yep. They had a platform for the WCWC Hall of Fame and SoCal Crazy came out and gave it to him. He nice. didn't even know that was gonna that was gonna happen.
1: Nice, that's good. Makes it worth the trip. That's fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, that was that was good to see SoCal that night too. I hadn't seen him in probably seven years.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is his name on the list? Because yeah, it's, that's a toughy. That's a touchy one for me. Uh,
0: no, but the the next name on the list will be an interesting one. Um, Bart kapitzky
1: Oh, that fucker. Uh, (laughs) I always tell them and I tell you and every chance I get fucker owes me money oh man where's my money Bart where's my money Uh,
0: you said it not me
1: (laughs) (laughs) I constantly tell like every time there was a show um, we would sign a poster or the backdrop I remember one of the many final AWS shows ever uh, we were asked to sign like the AWS logo backdrop or something we use for photos. And I, every time I signed anything involving AWS, I'm like, where's my fucking money, Bart? <laughs> um, again, Wrestling brings people into your life. You wouldn't think that you would have and Bart's there too. Um, I started out as a customer of his for his shop at Frankenstein, buying bootleg wrestling videos and dvds um attending his his early shows and he saw me i didn't tell him i was training i didn't tell him i was you know doing anything involving the business uh but then he came to a show and saw me referee and next time i came to his shop he's like hey fucker i didn't know you were in business I saw you refereeing the legend show, like come refer me. And that started our business relationship. Um, We would talk on Facebook every now and again, just talking about pussy and shit as guys do. And we don't as much because he's got a girlfriend now. So good on him, but, um, fair booker. Um, one of the very first bookers to heavily promote women. Um, The women's shows, I mean, we held them as far back as 2009 was the first women's show. And those shows, I was just thinking about like those shows were so special, but now you see like women shows are more commonplace than ever. And women's roles in Shows particularly indie shows are more and more prominent than they ever were. I mean back in the day, you know in the early the mid-2000s You'd be lucky to get one women's match and they'd usually be the two same girls every time yeah but Bart in this area he really gave the women a place to work and You know, they started, you know, just more and more girls coming in, you know full-on tournaments full you know all women shows um, got a lot of people there, start got a lot of people noticed. Um, it's a shame that he hasn't run again. I don't think he is. I haven't spoken to him about it, whether or not he plans on ever running again. He had a show planned, another return show. <laughs> like, no, you never stay closed. Yeah. Uh, he shut down again in November 2019, but then planned a comeback show for. I think it was March 24th, 2020, and obviously that didn't happen, and he has not run a show since, and from what I hear, he doesn't plan on it. I haven't spoken to him, but, I mean, his contribution to women's wrestling um, was very noteworthy, and um, yeah, he gave a lot of people chances that normally wouldn't. Um, I got to do everything for him. I got to wrestle, do commentary, referee, manage. Um, They're always fun shows, Uh, particularly the ones in, um, what was the name of it? Just outside of L.A. I cannot, man, my memory is falling apart, and I can't remember the name of the city now.
0: Oh, Southgate.
1: Southgate, yes, thank you. It looks just like downtown San Bernardino. Awful. The um, <laughs> hepatitis, time, just
0: looking at the buildings, right?
1: Yeah. Every time I'm driving down California Avenue, I'm like this reminds me of fucking Mount Vernon. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I am back home.
0: Yeah. yeah just I, trying to find the G Street of that area, right?
1: Like I drove an hour just to come back home. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah. The parking in that venue was so like. I didn't like, especially towards the end of my run, like I didn't like going to shows. Those are the only shows I would get to super fucking early just so I could get a parking spot. Because if you got there too late, you were fucked as far as parking goes. Like, you'd have to park four or five blocks away in front of someone's house, and no, it's just not a good time. Not a pleasant feeling leaving your car out there. Yeah. But, um, some really fun times had at those shows. Really fun times... Backstage in the locker room area. Um some really crazy shit. Um, there and you know the Frankenstein shows as well. Um God I could go on, but uh yeah, his his contributions to women's wrestling are noteworthy.
0: Absolutely. All right, we got three more names on the list. Um this next name, I actually I have a bet with my buddy Dennis <laughs> if you even remember this person or not. Um, bad bone.
1: How do I know it's going to be fucking bad bone? Did you really think bad? Why? bone? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep going back to bad bone, dude? Jesus.
0: <laughs> he, he's
1: unforgettable. Is he just that much of an anomaly to you? You gotta, you gotta keep people. They remember
0: bad bone. It is not often that you're at training and somebody shits himself to the point that his abdominant, like starts popping out.
1: Uh, I mean, I've seen some weird shit. Um, that's up there. I remember when Chowder busted himself open hard away, giving a clothesline, figure that one out. Oh. But um, yeah, again, he's on that list of people who you wonder, like, how do they function out in the real world?
0: <laughs> like Garrett, right? <laughs>
1: I see Garrett function out in the real world and it's the weirdest thing.
0: Yeah. I, my my I cousin saw him at creepy con last night.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. That was, I missed that. Um, no, yeah, I, I go to his place of business every now and again, Garrett's, I'm not going to say where, but I was leaving and I see him in the hallway. It's a movie theater. I'll leave it at that. And he didn't see me. I didn't, see he didn't see me. I saw him. I like to keep it that way. And as I'm walking by him, he's talking to a young girl, a young co-worker girl, like really young, like early 20s. Maybe even 19. I don't know. She's really young. And he's talking to her. As I walk by them, again, he doesn't see me. As I walk by Garrett, I can hear him tell the girl, oh, well, have you ever heard of a guy called Chris Jericho? <laughs> and I didn't break stride. I just kinda lifted <laughs> my head up in the air and I said out loud No she hasn't, Garrett.
0: Oh my God. Oh
1: now you see you, you mentioned my game earlier with Chelsea Diamond. Oh that's true game right there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Holy crap.
1: But no, back to Bad Bone again, like I wonder now if that was even a real person because I mean, he was for for someone to be considered weird by pro wrestling standards. That's fucking weird.
0: I'll never forget one time because uh, he had hurt himself in the ring. So Jesse told him, you know, you got to get, get out of the ring. And the bad Bone was like, well, I still want to train. I still want to train. And Jesse's like, no, brother, you know, you can't get in the ring. He goes, I- I'll do what they're doing, but I'll do it on the outside. And, like, they were, you know, oh, everyone yeah. was in the yeah. ring doing stuff, and he was on the outside. And you would just come in, and you were walking past him, and the look on your face lives rent-free in my head, man.
1: I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Fucking ridiculous. Like, Again, yeah, just, just, uh, like, you meet so many people in wrestling. Like, I, I tell people, like, why are you so, people ask me, why are you so grumpy all the time? What, what's wrong Like, why, Like, you know, because for... 20 plus years, I surrounded myself by some of the worst and oddest people you can imagine. Casino people, casino customers, and people involved in the wrestling business. There's really no worse individuals. No odder people to be around constantly. Just, man, you see and hear shit you wouldn't see and hear anywhere else. Like I don't, I would like to believe that any other form of Work or entertainment, you would not hear the stories that you would hear being involved in wrestling or be around people that are involved in wrestling
0: maybe at Walmart uh,
1: to a degree yeah. I know people that worked at Walmart and yeah been- if
0: you're working the you know the front yeah all right uh two more names on the list um Jake Alexander.
1: Uh, I mean, the thing is, I could say, I mean, I can say something good about him. I was thinking about this the other day, because I assumed that you would bring this up. Um, I One of my favorite wrestlers, one of my favorite characters, is black metal. I absolutely loved the gimmick. I loved the look. I loved everything about it. When I first came in, you know, he was around. Very prominent in the area. And you know, he's got the size, the look of the mask, it's very unique. And when he would cut the promos in Spanish, man, sent chills up my fucking spine. Fucking loved it. I don't know if I've told you this before, but our original plan was to have black metal squash the KOS. Huh. Like, how are we gonna end this thing? Like, we can't do KOS forever let's just have fucking giant fucking black metal just run through us and call it a day. That, that was our initial pitch. It didn't happen, of course, but we would have been okay with that. Um, Jake Alexander, the person, I really wish I knew where things went wrong. I think now, cause I do think about it quite a bit. Um, maybe I made, I brought mention of the infamous match she had with New Jack in, I think it was Epic War. It was a Gary Yats promotion.
0: Yeah, 2002, I believe.
1: 2002 or 2003, one or the other. Yeah. Where you know New Jack assaulted him, and you know, tore his mask off. And when I heard about it or saw it, I immediately jumped on Facebook Messenger and messaged Jay because we messaged each other quite regularly at the time. And I'm like, bro, fucking new Jack. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, it was whatever. I wonder now if he thought I was insulting him, which I wasn't, but you can't really pick up someone's tone via text or messenger. Yeah. So I wonder if he just took that the wrong way. It wasn't, my intention wasn't to insult him. I'm just like, oh my God, what happened? Like, Jesus, like I was shocked. I wasn't trying to dig in on them. I was just like, Jesus, holy fuck. Like, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, but I wonder if that was it because, you know, you, you just get that feeling when someone doesn't like you and felt that way for a while, you know, making booking decisions that were kind of going against the grain as far as myself and others like Brandon Parker and Tim Lovato were concerned. Um, and then there was a point in time, you know, we had one of many arguments, conversations, this one in front of Jesse Hernandez. And he told me to my face in front of Jesse, you know, we were having a little sit down. He just told me like, he does not like me personally. And I look at Jesse I'm like, wow, like, well, how am I ever supposed to expect to go anywhere, or do anything in this company when your booker tells me he doesn't like me personally? Yeah. To which Jesse had no response. Atypical. Um, then there was another point where Jake had a lot of bad shit happen to him and he went on kind of like an apology tour, um, making amends with a bunch of people he had wronged. And I was one of them. We had a big, long, two-hour conversation at the school. Uh, that's when he brought me back in 2017. Um, not sure what the plans were, but you know, he gave me everything. He gave me my entrance music back. You know, big push it seemed, but then unfortunately, I tore the ACL and the MCL in my knee uh, about two months after the fact and never wrestled for their EWF again. Um, things were pretty stable up until the Mickey Moreno incident. But I wonder how long they would have, because I mean, professionally we couldn't be any more different in our trains of thought. Like he's more inclined to push gimmicks like you see there's a lot more mask gimmicks now in EWF. There's some dude with a trailer park gimmick. Um again, just uh, I mean, and I I'm not really inclined to do gimmicks. You know, I'm more of a workshoot promo type, you know thing like that. Um So, yeah, I don't know where things would have gone had the Mickey Moreno thing not happened. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't think we're destined to get along, which is unfortunate because he has the keys to the castle, as it were. And how he's maintained his position for 13 fucking years now. I mean, that's got to be a record for a booker and, you know, a a local promotion i don't know like i wish there were a way we could find out yeah but um i i wouldn't even want to be if if i were given the opportunity to book i don't think i could do it for that long i mean eventually you run out of ideas or you start repeating yourself or i mean you can't you just can't be creative for that long i don't think
0: yeah, you know, Jim Cornett recently talked about something like that. Brian Lassett brought it up, and Cornett said back in the day, you know, they would rotate Booker's here and there.
1: Right. So, yeah, again, as we spoke earlier, you know, how it doesn't look at EWF as strong or what you Like, yeah, because your characters aren't as good, and, you know, what is your direction? It's, you know, I don't know if anyone's helping him, I doubt it. And he never really, really asked for too much help back when I was around.
0: Um, I I tried to help so much. As a matter of fact, I I got, I'm surprised that he let me run an angle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would pitch him a lot of things and, you know, pretty much next to nothing would ever get used. So it was kind of all for naught. So um, it's also kind of odd too, knowing that we live in the same area now. I found out he moved to Riverside uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was 2020, early 2021. I'm like, wow, I'm kind of relieved I haven't run into him anywhere because I'm not really sure what would happen. Yeah. I mean, not that I would do anything. I don't think he would have the balls to do anything either. But um, yeah, obviously we parted ways on a very bad note. And. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to fight anybody over fucking wrestling. Come on now, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know how well, even if we tried, I don't know how well we would have gelled professionally. I don't know how long it would have lasted. So it's just one of those – probably for the best if we don't try or ever attempted to find out because it probably wouldn't have ended well. So um, I've noticed – I've never really had an issue with any of the boys. It's always – the brass, it's always the people up top that I rub the wrong way, whether it be intentionally like Dave Marquez or unintentionally like Jake. Um, yeah, I just seem to have a, a way of, uh, getting on the bad side of the decision makers.
0: (laughs) Um, final name on the list. Of course, we all know the names coming, uh, Jesse Hernandez.
1: So I didn't see that coming. I was thinking something else. But um, I the closest thing I ever had to like another father figure, other than my own father. Um, I've had other people, you know, since the Mickey Moreno incident, tell me, it's like you know." Maybe you shouldn't be as hard on him as you have been. He just, he's from that generation and he's set in his ways. And I do recognize that. People aren't wrong for thinking that or telling me that. Um, but you know, you you look at someone in such high regard as I did and for him to say those things and to feel the way he does about one person that was very unnerving and unsettling and upsetting and you wish it wasn't the case but you know it is and it's such a letdown it's such a letdown um, because there's very few things in life I can't forgive and it's you know being abusive to women um, being abusive to animals and sexually assaulting children. And if you stand by someone who does either, you're kind of guilty by proxy. A little bit. Um, I wish that wasn't the case, but it is what it is. I would be tempted to let bygones be bygones if he were able to admit publicly that he was in the wrong for vouching for mickey for standing up for mickey but he never did it. like he was quick to defend him but he's not apologizing for defending the wrong person you know yeah if he, if he or even Jake were able to say hey yeah we you know we fucked up we shouldn't have done that i might not hold it against him and for him to or if he were able to admit to me that yeah he really does feel that way you know he really you know are you still friends you still think he's a good dude um yeah, but that's never going to happen, I don't think. And um, that's unfortunate because, you know, he... Anyway, even my parents, like, they, they are bummed out about it. Like, my mom would always, every December, she would bring a bunch of gifts and toys for the toy drive. And, you know, she would chat it up with Jenny, and, you know, they were good and now that can't happen. It hasn't happened since, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I wish he could see why he was wrong for thinking that way about Mickey. But I don't think that's the case. So I guess it's just going to remain this way between he and I. And I, I know, like, I've always, like, just the bastard in me is tempted just to walk in the school to see what would happen. Like, what would happen? What are you going to do? Yeah. What, like, Jesse himself is not going to be able to do anything. Are like, you going to send what, the fucking trainees after me or something? No. <laughs> like, you going to call the cops? Like, it, it, I, I mean, I'm never going to fucking do it. Like, it's beneath me, even though the school's, like, 15 minutes away. But, um.
0: Well, what if, like, you you and Ryan Taylor show up together?
1: That'd be different. Uh, that'd be interesting. But, um, you know, I'm not going to – like, Taylor's not going to get any of that on him.
0: Yeah.
1: Either, you know, because that's definitely below him. And um, he hasn't – We can find
0: Bad Bone to go in there with you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Find Bad Bone. Find <laughs> him. <laughs> Just do me that first, <laughs> and then we'll talk. But I don't know if that person exists anymore. I'm very curious. I, I still the- remember
0: his shoot name, so I, I'll try to find him.
1: Oh, my God. Good on. I don't know why you would remember that.
0: but We, sure. should, we should reunite you guys. Oh, no. I remember at one of the shows, the Intermission, and I think it was Josh Austin was trying to get the crowd going up. And uh, you and I were doing commentary on the web stream. And Badbone was sitting next to me and I jokingly looked over at Badbone and I said, Badbone, they're chairing for you. And he stood up on the chair flexing and you you got pissed. I remember
1: that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. No, 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 I'm fine. Hey, I'm stuck with Garrett for the rest of my days. He's like my guardian angel for some reason. Like I go places and he's always fucking there. So, so. <laughs> I'm burdened with Garrett, so don't don't try to put Badbone on me now too.
0: Alrighty. <laughs> Well, Mondo, I want to thank you so much, man, for taking time out of your schedule to be on the podcast. Uh it's been eight years. That's a long time. And I, I think,
1: I think I you agree. and I both have
0: matured a great deal since then.
1: I'm sure I could find plenty of people to disagree with you on that sentiment as far as I
0: go. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, same here. But no, I, this was definitely a different tone, a different direction, a different discussion that we had eight years ago. That's for sure.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, a lot has happened since then. A lot has happened, and then a whole lot of nothing has happened, because yeah. obviously neither of us are as deeply involved in the business as we used to be. Um, never want to say I'm retired. Um, it is hard. Like I, like I told you earlier, I don't know how I did it back in the day, you know, between work and wrestling and traveling and everything. Like I remember working Monday through Thursday training in between that and then working shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday and going right back to being normal on Monday morning. Um, I don't even have time for that now. I don't really feel like I have time for much of anything. It's really amazing to me. Um, It's
0: a weird feeling.
1: It really is. Um, And I wish the funny thing is like, I am in better shape now than I was when I was actually working, (laughs) which is funny to me. But I am nowhere in ring shape. I wish I could. I haven't even set foot in a ring probably over two years, which is baffling to me. I wouldn't have believed you if you told me that in the past. But given that I'm on the outs of EWF, there's no school near me. And now I don't. One of the reasons I got into the business was so I wouldn't ever have to pay to go to shows and
0: <laughs> deep down i think that's one reason why we all got in right yeah yeah you get paid I, to, I, to watch wrestling
1: yeah um and the feeling i really enjoyed more than anything was being able to walk into the locker room of any show in this area and no one would give a second look like oh hey it's monta vega cool like I, I enjoyed that recognition of you know like oh yeah yeah you belong here you're one of us. Oh, cool. Good. I didn't know you were coming, but cool. I wouldn't have that now because obviously we've been out of the loop for quite some time. I mean, there's still some of our people there, some people, you know, that we know very well. But I know there's probably that many more newbies, people who came in after us that want to know who the fuck we are. Yeah. That's baffling. But again, like the nearest, like, I'm about an hour plus from Santino's two hours away from the San Diego schools. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I hate to sound like a gloomy gust, but fuck. Gas is $4 a gallon. Um, man, I don't know how people afford to go to training shows nowadays, especially when there's not really much in the way of, uh, you know, monetary returns. Like, it, it's it's hard to have a, a real job and pursue the dream at the same time. And I don't know how some people do it. I, you know, I had trouble doing it. I couldn't imagine doing it now. It's like, fuck, I got to get a weekend off to do a show? Like, I need time to train. Like, I'm not in in-ring shape. Like, that's the main bummer about being on the EWF. There's a ring 15 minutes away from me that I can't set foot in. That I can't see if my body can still take it or not, but mm. we'll see. I mean, if I'm meant to step back in and have another couple, I, I, I wouldn't mind just to go a couple more times. I mean, I know I'm not going to make it per se, but I mean, just to see if I can have a couple more left in me, but I wouldn't imagine getting into a ring now because Christ, I'm out of ring shape.
0: Hey, there's always commentary.
1: Sure, there is. And (laughs) the the funniest part, I I don't know if it's like a sign from the gods, but the fact that the two companies I was working for before the pandemic have never returned. Wow. (laughs) Ground Zero and AWS are the only two major companies or, you know, relevant companies that did not have not returned since the pandemic everyone else has been working again socal pro ewf Santino's, pwg you name it they're all run shows just like normal like we're pretty much back to normal again if you want to consider it that but yeah the two companies that employed me have not <laughs> returned i'm like huh i wonder i wonder yeah well if, if you are ever
0: open to it and if i ever get an opportunity if i'm working a show and need a color guy. Is it all right if I hit you up?
1: Oh, give me a book, bro.
0: All right. All right. Uh, before we head out, any um, any plugs, shout-outs, advice, or anything like that?
1: I don't do anything, dog. Come on now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Um,
1: advice? Uh, I mean... I think one of my favorite quotes from one of my least favorite wrestlers is Sting. Is that the only thing for sure is nothing's for sure, especially in the wrestling business. You have to expect everything, and more importantly, expect nothing in return, because it won't give you anything in return. It, like as they say, wrestling owes you nothing. And it's it's a bit it's a, a bit dark and macabre thing to say but like you get involved in this business almost knowing you're not going to make it you're not going to get anything in return for what you put in cuz you know like making it in wrestling is like winning the lottery quite frankly but i mean if you enjoy it I, you can have fun but um yeah just expect to see some of the weirdest, the worst out of people. But somehow, like, see between all that and have fun, have a good time. Meet people you wouldn't think you would. Become friends with people you didn't think you would. Like, I never thought I would be friends with, you know, Sean Ricker or t People like that, like... But, hey, man, they are friends of mine.
0: Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mondo, again, thank you so much, man, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Had a a lot of fun discussing everything with you. Um,
1: I I really didn't think, like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? (laughs) Yeah. Like, nothing current, because there hasn't been anything current going on for either of us involving the business, other than just what we watch currently. And Yeah, so, but no, I mean, it was good to talk. I haven't had a conversation like this in quite some time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, got me a little itchy again a little bit. So, I don't know.
0: Well, as The Rock would say, if you got a little itch, go ahead and scratch it um ladies and gentlemen don't forget to check out ring scoops on social media we're on all the major platforms facebook twitter instagram uh snapchat twitch all that stuff at ring scoops and mondo i know you get you interact quite a bit with the ring scoops twitter um always love your replies um and uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to check out ringscoops.com for our official shop where we got t shirts up and everything. And we also got a link on the website to the Ring Scoops card game coming up on the two year anniversary of the launch of the Ring Scoops card game. And um, a lot of people submitting their feedback on it. They, It's a great party game. It's also a great tool if you're up and coming in the business. Use it to work on your improv skills, your mic work, and all that stuff. So. It's fun, it's educational, and it's under 20 bucks. It's one of the best investments you guys can make. So check that out. And again, Mondo Vega, thank you so much for being on the show. And ladies and gentlemen, until next time, the webmaster Wade Needham saying thank you, good night, and be cool.